2: You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel and the Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Charles Abuo, former small forward for BYU, subscribe, so you should as well. You know, Jimmer Fredette gets all the highlights, and for obvious reasons, I, I totally understand that. Even Brandon Davies got a little shine because he fucked, but... At the end of the day, Charles Abuo gets lost in the shuffle, and he shouldn't because he started all 35 games as a senior. He set the BYU records for most career wins and consecutive games played. And here's, here's the cherry on top. Never missed a game in his whole college career. I don't think I've ever added as much detail to one of these little stupid, guess who subscribes. Uh, but when I looked him up, I was shocked at the amount of contributions he's had for that school, and he just gets overlooked. So Charles Abuo, hug for you. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB uh-huh. Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel And the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. We got mma back maddie welcome back man you are now officially in the pantheon of return guests i think it's you and the rhode island boys uh welcome back how you doing
3: <laughs> oh yeah thank you it's an honor um you know doing as well as i can i guess but um here in uh, month two without sports but yeah excited to talk some uh top 50 programs of all time
2: so the facial hair we have to address that we talked a little <laughs> bit about it prior to jumping on and obviously no one can see it but we're all the three of us have very thick full beards right now we've been working on it you on the other hand kind of have a V view for Net vendetta look on
3: <laughs> yeah so unfortunately uh when i try to grow a actual beard nothing really happens a lot of patches looks like i have whiskers um so this is about all i can go with you know a little mustache little i don't know a soul patch with the the line in between um so yeah got to mix it up for uh during quarantine.
2: Yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, all right. Well, without further ado, you guys know the drill from the last episode. What we're going to be doing is continuing our countdown and we're going to pick up where we left off and that's at 45. Out of the A-10, it's the St. Joseph's Hawks. Uh, here's their resume. Zero national titles, one final four, 23 conference titles, three Elite 8s, seven Sweet 16s, and 21 ncaa tournaments uh before we let the shark and taylor jump in here i'm gonna just do a quick recap of what my thoughts on saint joe's uh looking at the numbers it's the ncaa tournaments that have really pushed them along here a lot of them there they play in a basketball craze city like philadelphia they had one of the greatest regular season basketball teams uh, ever in with that Jamir Nelson Delante West team, and I think a lot of people tend to forget about Phil Martelli and what a college basketball titan he really is now on the Michigan staff. But I'll bring in the shark first. St. Joe's here at forty-five. Give us your thoughts here on on uh, the Red Hawks.
1: Yeah, if I'm going to be totally honest with you, I, when I when I did my my big board here, I didn't love St. Joe's in this spot. I think it's a little high for them. If I'm going to Mel Kuiper this a little bit, um, they they are when you think completely devoted to basketball, you know, that much, when you look at their resume, they're solid, you know, across the board, they have 21 NCAA tournament appearances. You think back to that 04 team, and they've been pretty consistent across each decade uh, with appearances in literally every, every decade dating back to the fifties at this point. So that's impressive. Uh, but really nothing really pushes them over, over the edge for me here. They do have, they're they're close if you're a Creighton fan, uh, Creighton's close with them. Even if you're a Tennessee fan like me, I'm wondering how the hell this didn't happen. But ultimately, it's going to come down to tournament performances. And St. Joe's being that mid-major school with three Elite Eights, seven Sweet Sixteens, that's impressive enough to me. And if I can have one positive memory from this team, it is vividly remembering that 4 Elite Eight game against Oklahoma State. And John Lucas, I watched that, I believe with you, Subi, in the ESPN zone in Times Square. Wow. (laughs) I mean, we got to bring that ESPN. That's a throwback. Yeah, that is a throwback. I watched it right there. It was a phenomenal game. Um, So that – I mean, top 50 basketball memory for me right there. That's enough for me to at least justify this. But I do think it's a little high, and I think Taylor is going to explain to us why St. Joe's is a popular pick.
0: So it's a little bit – like another team we'll discuss and another uh, Ivy League team we've previously discussed, um, you know, they, they are part of the big five there in Philadelphia. So that has some kind of cachet to it, but you know, they have had a number of NBA players even since that 2014, like DeAndre Bembry, uh, Langston Galloway. And although we don't necessarily take NBA uh, talent into uh, account for our, List here. They have had a number of uh, talented players that have come through there uh, in every decade. Um, But really, you know, if you if you're looking for why they got pushed above another team, it's it is literally probably just that 2004 season, and not not that a a program is built on one season alone, but just to continually have that success over and over. And now that was 15, 16 years ago. Don't get me wrong. Um, And actually, if you were to ask me. Before we looked all this up, what happened? Like, how far did that team go? I would have told you it was the Final Four, but it, but it was not. It was the Elite Eight that year, even though they had one of the all-time great regular seasons. Uh, the, the number of tournament appearances is uh, well above average as well, uh, and really you know, kind of being that basketball specific basketball craze school, I think for me is why they just ranked a little higher. And I'm not saying that at 45, they snuck onto the list, but you could still say that They kind of snuck onto the list if you listen to us talk about the previous five schools before them as well. You could say probably from teams from 40 or even 35 on up snuck onto the list uh, in some way, shape or form. But uh, it it was one of those schools that in my mind, just uh, there was no way that I didn't think that they were top 50 uh, whether the numbers told us that or not. And in my opinion, the numbers did tell us that.
2: Yeah. And we got to remember that probably next week or next time we hop on and, and produce a show is when we're going to get into the nitty gritty of our uh, arguments, I guess, if you will. But Maddie, go ahead and jump in here with the St. Joe's.
3: Yeah, I know uh shark touched on it. Um, that loss in Oh four to Oklahoma state is one of the most vivid college basketball memories I have growing up. Um, yeah I remember being devastated I was really pulling for St. Joe's um I don't know for some reason I always hated UConn I think they ended up winning that year so (laughs) being from Jersey um but yeah I mean I think you've all touched on it um with that one team really being the reason for their ranking I will also say Phil Martelli you know 23 years there he only made the tournament nine times which I mean I guess that's solid but um You know, that's just another you know talk about really building a program, being there for 23 years, being pretty consistent, and you know, you did see a little drop off this year um, with the coaching change.
2: Martelli, I remember I think it was Rothstein who was doing his uh, late night show on CBS Sports Network or something, and he was just beside himself after Martelli got let go. And it wasn't that it, it was the end of the road for Martelli. I think he was just so upset at St. Joe's, like. Social media staff, or just yeah. anything, just didn't <laughs> give him any sort of love on the way out, and Rothstein was beside himself for that. No, I
3: remember hearing a lot of uh, like you know announcers, former coaches, being upset about that. I think he's really well liked in the industry.
1: So, Matt, you uh, you know when we sent you these are these are the schools that we're gonna do for the five this week. Yeah, and you heard the ones last week. Was there mm-hmm. any takeaway where you had where, like, what the hell are these guys thinking? Why did they put this school? Uh, this low at this point or why wasn't any of the schools that we excluded not included?
3: Yeah. I mean, so when you first sent me the list, having not seen anything before, I was kind of shocked that those were the five teams and I I don't really know what I was expecting, maybe more big conferences, but um, digging into it, it makes sense. I mean, you know, St. Joe's does have the sixties success. I think some of the other teams we're going to touch on have some success in like the seventies, eighties, maybe a little before our, time but um yeah at first i was really surprised but then once i started digging into these five teams it kind of made sense especially with uh conference regular season as well
0: we can't forget about about our boy dr jack ramsey also uh st joe's as well uh is he really
2: dr jack was old as fuck when we were in like (laughs) like seventh grade
0: he, play, he played there and coached there before he went to the NBA. So uh, again, if we're the, since this list isn't like an all-time great, that's an all-time great uh, coach and a pretty good player as well. Also, he was from Drexel, the Drexel area of Pennsylvania, so right there in town too. So, uh, Philadelphia through and through that guy, but you know, he's considered what a top 10 coach in NBA history. Uh, he was a, a, a good college coach as well and a good player. And so that's their, their history extends that far back. Cause he played there in the forties coached there in the fifties and sixties, uh, and led them to that final four in the sixties. And, so again, long time of success. Not a ton of success, uh, yeah, in the in the most recent years. But if you extrapolate this out over the entirety of college basketball, that's what I think
1: that, I think this is another key point that we probably considered at the time, but uh, that was a while ago, and we uh, it's been a minute, but. St. Joe's, it's a private university, and when you look at how many wins they have in college basketball history, they rank in the top 50. They rank number 43, and they're surrounded by a whole bunch of big public universities, big basketball schools that have multiple sports. And then you have St. Joe's in Philly uh, that just has one real sport that is hanging. It's got more wins than than Iowa. It's got more right there with Tennessee. So the fact that they can put themselves up in that category – deserves a lot of credit and is definitely something that, you know, I guess pushed them into this top 50.
2: I would hazard the theater girl listening to this right now, though, to find or think up a better venue and just surroundings for watching a sweet 16 high level back and forth basketball game than when you're in eighth grade with your boys on a basketball trip in the ESPN zone, probably eating some overpriced shitty chicken nuggets, (laughs) something like that. And you're just going crazy, right? So that was that was an experience. And I am not ashamed to admit that that might have propelled them from like 47 to 45. <laughs> that one little memory.
0: And it's great. Eighth grade was like the perfect time when we probably all thought the ESPN Zone was like the coolest place yeah. in the world too. Before we just dis- oh, discovered like the oh actual cool places <laughs> in the world, like that's like oh my god, we got to go to ESPN Zone on this trip, incredible.
2: Dude, the yeah. ESPN Zone was an arc was just a sports arcade. It had like you go to a regular arcade and you s- start doing pop a shot, but <laughs> that's all you spend your time with. The ESPN Zone though had everything.
0: I got yeah. pretty drunk at the Disneyland ESPN Zone one time. That's my ESPN Zone <laughs> memory. Is it, that right there? And that's all I got from ESPN Zone. So. That
1: was a bad. That was a bad ESPN Zone. Didn't we watch Celtics Magic way back in 08 there too? Pistons. Am I off? Pistons. Okay. That's why I keep you around right there. That's right. Yeah, I. But I feel I
0: like I feel like the Disneyland ESPN Zone had like four TVs total. I was kind of taken aback by what I expected. Yeah, <laughs>
1: bad zone. And realistically, when you really boil down an ESPN Zone to the to the, uh, I guess the. What it is in its essence, it's just a David Buster's, but with a different name. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, wasn't it like the prequel to David Buster's? I
1: don't know. It David recursive. Buster's called. Yeah. Told- very much could have just been around, and then once yeah, was and just like of, only yeah. in the Midwest
2: or something, yeah, or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. completely yeah. catered to the to the sports fan. Was it? And I'm pretty yeah. sure like the sports reporters aired every Sunday. At- I think
0: they did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> say, you know, yeah, the only thing that ESPN Zone has going for it over other sports bars is that the employees probably know all the ch- at least what ESPN is as a channel, and as we've discussed ad nauseum on this program before, is that. Sports bar employees don't have any idea what oh. channels are for any sports, so th- I would imagine ESPN Zone employees are just melted into their brain. Yeah. Okay, thirty four <laughs> and thirty five—that's ESPN and ESPN two—and at least just so there's the, st- at least they're on those channels the whole time.
1: An adult Chuck E. Cheese is yeah. a great way to describe that place.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's probably a prerequisite, Taylor. And I think actually, now that I hearken back on it, I've been to the Baltimore ESPN Zone. You know, I kind of feel like one of those guys that's just. Gone around to every single baseball stadium in America. Like I feel like I've gone up and down the East Coast ESPN zone.
1: I think I've been trying Indiana. to do that. With, yeah. I've been trying to do that with Buffalo Wild Wings. But I mean, obviously, <laughs> bigger chain. The Cleveland Buffalo Wild Wings still stands out to me. Yeah, Just phenomenal location. I know I bring this up all the time on this show, but I can't say enough about that Cleveland Buffalo Wild Wings.
2: If you could, and we'll get to get back to the list, but Shark, if you could pop a squat on a bar stool and watch any sporting event, would it be at an airport Chili's or would it be at a B-dubs?
1: I'd probably take the B-dubs in the Houston airport. Combined wow. two right there. <laughs> I did, you know the one. I'm, were you there on that one bachelor party on the way back? I wasn't, but when, uh, I've, I've heard, heard majestic, majestic things. We took the Stephen F. Uh, Austin football helmet down and we are doing uh, Oklahoma drills in the terminal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good. Touch. This jump
2: completely out of hand. But real quick before we get to uh number 44 best player for St. Joe's, Jameer Nelson. I think we're all in agreement there. What he did in college and obviously having a very lengthy career in the NBA. And then fan favorite Delonte West. Uh anyone else that we can think of for for St. Joe's? Those two guys were pretty much, you know, who was the yeah.
1: Who was the shooter that they had on that team? Oh, oh um Carroll, right? Yeah. yeah, Pat Pat Carroll. uh, Pat Carroll. Pat Carroll. Sniper. Good poll there, Matty. Good (laughs) poll. Yeah. Didn't look it
3: up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Jameer,
2: Galante West, Pat Carroll. So that is St. Joe's at 45. Coming in at number 44, the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. And I didn't even uh, say their conference because I, I can't I don't know it off the top of my head. But Western Kentucky at 44, zero national titles, one final four, 28 conference titles, two Elite Eights, seven Sweet Sixteens, and 23 NCAA tournaments. Western Kentucky, for my money in this entire list, one through 50, and I said this the second they appeared, I said this might have been the biggest surprise on the entire list for me, that they even made it. I had zero inkling or thought that Western Kentucky – would be on the list, let alone this high. And when I put, say this high, I mean in, in air quotes. But even they have a Final Four and a conference and, a, and some conference titles and tournament berths, uh, th- that carries them as well. Courtney Lee, still a hilarious name to me, uh, and we'll get to him at the end. But and I, he might still be in the league. I'm not sure. But Western Kentucky, outside of I, I don't have a ton to to really uh, a base you know, some of my thoughts on, but I, I just didn't think that they were this high. But when you really take a step back and look at the numbers, they could arguably be one of the more underrated programs you, could make, you can make an argument for.
1: I'll be honest, when I was filling out my board, they weren't even, Western Kentucky wasn't even close to my board. Like when Fran Frischilla, uh talked about Bruno Capuccio being drafted uh, some 10 years ago, and he said that he was two years away from being two years away. That was how close... Western Kentucky was to being on my board. But Taylor was the guy stood on the table for Western Kentucky in our negotiations like in draft day when Kevin Costner is holding on to the slip of paper that says Devonte Mac no matter what, Taylor was doing that with Western Kentucky. So I, I mean they, they, there's a lot of criteria that they can argue. I'm sure they're going to talk about the top 20 wins that they have. but when I look at this team, Outside of being old and playing basketball for a long time, I'm not seeing the um, criteria and tournament success that they should have in order to be within the top fifty here. Maddie, did, yeah, I was just,
2: this was mm-hmm. this the most surprising to you?
1: This of the five,
3: this was definitely the most surprising. Um, and you know, when you sent it to me, I assumed, okay, they've probably made the tournament the last like five years or something like that and lost in the first round and I just forgot about them. So I was also surprised that they hadn't made it since 2013. Um, But then looking back, they made the Sweet 16 a lot in the 70s and 80s. And they have, I forget the number you said exactly, but like in the high 20s conference tournament, uh, regular season titles. So it's, it made sense a little bit, but, um, yeah, definitely the most shocking name so far for me.
2: Didn't Western Kentucky have a, like a crazy upset win in the tournament or was that a a conference tournament?
3: I know they made the sweet 16,
1: the Courtney Lear in. Yeah. Oh, seven, oh, seven, oh, eight. I know the game that you were thinking of Sue. I'm trying to remember who they beat and I'm working on pulling it here. Um,
2: because I think that was the very first exposure that I had ever gotten to Western Kentucky. And I feel like I haven't gotten it since. Yeah. You know what it
1: was? They beat Drake. Keno Davis's Drake was a five seed. Western Uh, Kentucky was a 12. There was a crazy buzzer beater at the end. Western Kentucky advances. And in the second round, they get to play the juggernaut San Diego, a 13 seed. So that's why they went on to this. (laughs) And they lost to UCLA. Um, but that's what it was. I, I vividly remember that game when they hit that three from, you know, some 35 feet right on that little hash line there. Yeah.
2: So that's why I was so surprised, though. It was, you know, the fact that this is the only memory I have of Western Kentucky, and it wasn't – I mean, it was kind of memorable, but n- not not crazy memorable. And then I feel like I haven't heard from them since, like you had mentioned, Matt. Yeah. So no, I was – I'm just saying to myself, like, yeah, where yeah. the hell – where the hell did they get this? You know, also, so, <laughs>
1: yeah. The, I mean, the reason they're up there is if you look at the, in terms of wins in NCA history, Western Kentucky's friggin' number 15. So they, they have a ton of wins. They have yeah. more than Texas. They have, I mean, they're in the top 20, 15 overall. Um, yeah. That, then, that, that was his key point. And that's why I didn't even think of even considering them in the top. fifty. Yeah. Like I'm just looking at their
3: uh, basketball reference page and Early 90s, they made the top 25 three times, as high as number eight in 87, Um, a bunch of times in 70s, 50s. But most fun fact, um, someone named E.A. Diddle was their coach from 1922 until 1964. Wow. Are you kidding me? 40 years. Unless they just, unless he had a son come in take over halfway through with the same name,
2: E
1: A Diddle. That's, that's how I picture
2: him. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: Number three in 1949. I cannot yeah, believe their arenas named after him too. Huh. Oh, there you go. Was it Diddle Arena? Yeah, <laughs> E A Diddle Arena.
2: The more, I mean, this is an educational program right now about Western yeah. Kentucky. I had, I had zero idea that they were this uh, impressive and that they
1: were this. Uh, oh, a it's a 15 wins thing is yeah. crazy. I told people that, you know, Western Kentucky is going to surprise people. And then they just lost their mind. Gene Keedy was a the coach there for two years.
3: Was yeah, really? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah 78
2: to 80. Was the they, recruit that they just got this past year? Like, he played for them last year.
3: On their current team,
2: uh, I feel like he he might have declared. Maybe not.
3: Hollingsworth is their leading scorer.
2: I'm um, blanking on freshman that. Jordan Rawls. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, um, Charles Bassie. Oh,
0: yeah, Bassey. yeah.
2: Charles Bassey. that's the one
0: um, from Nigeria. Okay, so because I was. I was the one who brought this up. I just want to point this out. Oh, that, I know. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, top, top 15 in wins, 23 tournament appearances. But if you look at back at their history in the time that they were good, you know, like the 60s, 70s, whatever, they were kind of like the Gonzaga that we see now, but of that time. They just got, they had, were good every year. They won their conference every year. They created talent every year, and they just never peaked out. Uh, so if you look back and compare those two, if we look at today's world, you'd say, well, yeah, Gonzaga should be in the top 50. Well, if Gonzaga is in the top 50, then a team like Western K- Kentucky uh, should also be in the top 50, especially considering the number of wins they have. All
2: well done. Very succinct to the point. I kind of feel like James Carville, Will Ferrell going at it. An old school right there? That's good banter right there.
1: What did I tell you guys about the Devontae Mack, no matter what, right there? That, that The passion that you heard in that little 30-second snippet about <laughs> standing on the table for him, that is what you get out of this guy. And it was actually kind of moving me a little bit. I actually I was listening. <laughs> I perched up. It was a good point. I don't know if it's true or not, but I look at the wins, and it seems to align. So, hey, Western Kentucky, let's live with it. But that's one of those teams, I mean, if you're, on the, if you're on the outside looking uh, in, if you're going into Western Kentucky right now. If you're the Providences, if you're the Oregons, if you're any of those schools, you're, you're trying to take down that the hilltop. Oh,
0: wait, hold on. How many more conference titles does Western Kentucky have than Providence? <sighs> uh,
2: they have 28 more. So 28 in, more. In, okay, cool. In, yeah, they're good. No, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Uh, we, we'll see if we can go a show this entire offseason without mentioning Providence's complete <laughs> lack of conference titles but we're 0 for 2 thus far uh hey taylor since you're the big hilltopper guy here jim mcdaniels you listed as their best player i can't tell i can't speak to jim mcdaniels Uh, i mean courtney lee fan favorite i want to make a quick point about courtney lee though courtney lee missed an easy alley-oop layup in the lakers uh, magic 09 series i think it was game two and they could have split at home probably weren't winning that series anyway but who knows but courtney lee remember that uh jim mcdaniels though i don't know who that is
0: uh several time all american you don't know it's <laughs> s- several time all american jim mcdaniels
2: now what is it how do you define several
0: like more than one <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, yeah he was an all-american in 70 uh excuse me three in 69 70 and 71 so not a lot of schools i bet you can find with a three-time all-american good
2: little resume so western kentucky at 45 coming in at forty-three, it's the BYU Cougars. Zero national titles, zero Final Fours, twenty-seven conference titles, three Elite Eights, seven Sweet Sixteens, and twenty-nine NCAA tournament appearances. This not that shocking to me, BYU. This is an interesting team here. They have a lot of solid names. You know, I, I was I got kind of tired of looking at the exact numbers and what we weighted at and whatnot, but they have a lot of really solid names. And I had mentioned Abuo. Uh, at the beginning of the program, probably butchering his name, even though it's only five letters. Uh, And then, you know, they have the the names with the conference titles and the tourney berths, no Final Fours, which is still kind of (laughs) surprising for a team like BYU, if you just think about their history. But when I talk names, I'm talking Jimmer. He carries majority of the weight. But let's also not forget Dave Rose. Dave Rose might have been on two of the most exciting teams in NCAA history. He was the coach of BYU – up until a few years ago, but he was also on that Fly slam Jamma Houston team. So I was really attracted to the names here. BYU at 43, very interesting. Shark?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is they've they've been producing for decades at this point, and they have all these tournament appearances to back it up. So you led the show with Charles Abuo. I'm thinking Rafael Araujo. So give me another center with a name with a lot of tough to pronounce with a lot of R's and O's and O's and, O's and U's in there that would – Struggle on a toddler to say that. But anyways, back to the point here. They have nearly 30 tournament appearances. You look at great alumni like Danny Ainge playing there as well. This school churns them out. They just have not gotten over that hurdle without a Final Four appearance. They don't have that. They're showing up each year. They would have shown up again this year. Who knows what happened? They were the best three-point shooting team in the country. Uh, and it's just one of those things where if, if you're going to keep showing up decade and decade, you deserve the opportunity to be in the top 50. And I think everyone knows that BYU is a good program. They're they're always associated with the, the team that can shoot the lights out and someone you don't want to play uh, with the with the most glaring memory being Jim Rufordette's team. And that team probably should have kept going, but they fell short against Florida in that one matchup. and it sucks.
2: Yoli Childs, real quick before we bring Matt in here, Yoli Childs is a <laughs> impact player for BYU this year. They could have made a run if the brackets – Uh, kind of broke their way matt what do you think about byu
3: yeah um i think this team is actually really appropriately ranked um pretty much for all the reasons you guys have touched on great players jimmer danny ainge um a lot of tournament appearances a lot of conference titles although i'd like to see how many of those were in the whack when it was you know not as good um but not that much ncaa tournament success they just had the one year in 81 where they went to the Elite Eight and then Sweet Sixteen with Jimmer, um, but other than that, I think everything in the last thirty years has been first or second round exit. So for that reason, I can't have them much higher. Um, but yeah, they definitely deserve to be in the around here.
2: Real quick, were they WAC and now they're West Coast Conference? They were
3: whack and then Mountain West, and then wow. and now West Coast. Yeah. No, but I think that Jimmer year, the. Yeah, 2011, that was the last year in the Mountain West.
2: That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it just seemed like them and STSU were always going at it. Yeah.
3: I mean, Mountain West and West Coast are definitely solid conferences. Um, but, I mean, like, 90s whack. I mean, Hawaii, I'm trying to even think. Because that was before the Mountain West was formed, right?
2: It might have so been. So it's like Hawaii, yeah, it New Mexico.
3: Some So some of those are good schools. But I think you also have, like, San Jose State and – you know some of those uh weaker california schools
2: i'd probably give the nod to the west coast or excuse me the whack and the mountain west over the west coast conference maybe because gonzaga just dominates it every single yeah. year but I, outside of st mary's it's like wh- who does gonzaga play in the west coast conference
3: yeah i mean i think it's interesting cuz you know now they're consistently have gonzaga in the tournament and then every year BYU and st mary's are a bubble team um but you're right. Other than that, I mean, I think Pepperdine, Pacific, have, were good like ten years ago. But
2: Michael Ola Candy, I believe, he was a Pepperdine wave. Yeah,
1: beautiful campus. Uh, Pepperdine wasn't he? Wasn't he Pacific? He was Pacific. <laughs> you're right. No, meant, or was he Pepperdine?
2: No, I think he was Pacific. I, and it's funny because Pacific is in like Stockton, California, which just is the complete opposite of Malibu. I think if you ask a lot of Californians. <laughs> So, yeah, good Candyman reference. Uh, BYU players, though. Let's talk about their best player, Jimmer, one of the Naismith. I mean, mm-hmm. electric. He was, he was incredible. It really is a shame that he didn't pan out in the NBA. But Jimmer in college basketball, that guy was one of the most fun. If you asked me to name top three, top five most fun players to watch that you've ever watched in college hoops, Jimmer's on that list, and he was around during those uh, video game eras when they were still producing video games. So
1: BYU was a blast to play with as well. I I wanted to just talk about the three that Jimmer hit against. I think it was Gonzaga in the – I don't know if it was in the tournament or not. It was like from 50 feet out. He just pulled up critical three of the game. One of the the more memorable players that you wanted to try to – He was definitely – he was early on in that, uh, you know, Steph Curry pulling up from pretty much half You know. Definitely started that. Although he would have been, I mean, he was right around the same. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean, like, I feel like he was like, Steph was just starting at the warriors when he was at BYU. But Steph wasn't shooting from half court. Then
1: Steph was copying (laughs) Jimmer. Yeah.
3: Maybe. Yeah. Now Trey Young's doing it.
1: Exactly. (laughs)
2: Uh, And then when we look at fan favorite, Jimmy, you can make an argument. Jimmer is also the fan favorite, but Danny Ainge, I mean, Danny Ainge's athletic achievements include uh, an All-American in baseball, basketball. I might be missing something as well- else. That's why it pisses me off so much yeah. when people look yeah. at uh, like who MJ went up against in the 80s and the 90s, and they're like, oh, he's a plumber. Like, No, Danny Ainge is actually fucking incredible. Uh, but Danny Ainge is a fan favorite. Maybe uh, Brandon Davies. Just not, Ar- I mean Ar- <laughs>
1: Ar- you gotta put Rujo right there. That was a lottery pick. Yeah, for the Raptors. Raff- it's like an like Omar Samhan type was Rafael Arujo. I, I can't even say it right now, but Arujo.
0: I thought BYU was gonna be higher than this, and I would echo uh Matt's thoughts that uh they're probably appropriately ranked. I think you just think of them as a better basketball school than maybe where their ranking would be. But there's nothing. They just don't have the tournament success to push themselves any higher than this.
2: But that's the thing. That's why I was so confused about looking at them and saying zero final fours. I figured they did maybe have just one. It's not easy to just rack up a million final fours. But I just think when you when you think BYU, uh, you think that they have been doing well for decades now. Figured they would have cracked through at
1: one point. Yeah, they couldn't get one in like 1940 when like everyone was yeah. getting one. you just show up and play one tournament. You get a Final Four. And for the record, we do look into each one of those. But BYU didn't even get one of those.
0: Was John Smith – when did the Mormon religion start? Was John Smith like even alive in 1940? This is a – this is a, you know, like had they even come West at that point? That might be a joke, but it's kind of not a joke either. I don't even know where you're, BYU you're was You're the West. <laughs> West. You're the West. You tell me. Salt Lake City, not West Coast. Okay. Arizona, more West Coast than Salt Lake City. Is. Mesa has a lot of Mormons. That's true. I sure just sold a house by the temple. Thing's beautiful, by the way. So maybe just from that alone, I would move them up just simply how beautiful the temple is. So uh, too bad Brandon Davies just spat all over it with his carnal desires back in the day. But uh, but no, I, I obviously... We have Jim or uh Danny Ainge. And and I just think it's interesting that they just have never made it any further um, than they have. And and they're the type of team though, too, with the talent that they uh bring in. They're they're always going to be good enough to get there, but that they're, they're always gonna have a small talent pool simply because of the nature of the their you know religious-based university. And so they're just probably not ever going to have the enough talent to put them over the top. They'll have enough talent to get there but never to go over the top. I mean, you can put it's interesting that BYU football is more successful than BYU basketball considering how many more players you need to field a football team out such a small talent pool, yet the basketball team has never peaked out in any year.
2: Well, I'd also to to that point, a lot of mid-majors in their region or in their states or the only mid-majors that'll dominate. You got Utah State there right now as well. That's that's your team there, Shark. So I mean the Aggies, the Aggies aren't going away either. So no. All right. Let's move on. That was BYU at 43 At 42, actually, now that I think about it, the last three, St. Joe's, Western Kentucky, and BYU, all mid-majors, now we finally get to a heavy hitter. At 42 out of the Big Ten, it's the Iowa Hawkeyes, zero national titles, three Final Fours, eight conference titles, four Elite Eights, eight Sweet Sixteens, and 26 NCAA tournaments, Iowa for a football school. These guys actually have a very impressive resume. I mean, these guys easily have the most final fours here uh, on this list that we're going through today, but great resume for Iowa. Three final fours is I wouldn't have expected. And even four elite eights uh, when there's what they're sorely lacking though, is the conference titles with only eight. And I understand that they're playing in a much more difficult conference than these other guys, but uh, single digit, conference titles isn't really going to get you too far. And I think it's actually perfect for them at 48, not enough. Essentially what that tells me is that there's not enough consistency during the dog days of a season for them to be higher. There needs to be more consistent winning, not just flash in the pan. uh, I'm going to do well on on the occasions that I do make the NCAA tournament, Uh, but they are dangerous. History shows that they're dangerous come tourney time, but that is Iowa in a nutshell to me. Shark, thoughts on the Hawkeyes here at 42?
1: I think the basketball program emulates a perfect Iowa football Kirk Ferentz offense where it's like Sean Green running behind Brandon Sheriff and Marshall Yonda for three yards (laughs) on first, second, and third down. Because their program, when you look at it, like they – quantitatively, they they got – they fill it out pretty well. They fill out the offense, but it's not – there's no pizzazz to it. There's no big play. There's no national title, but they do fill the stat sheet in terms of tournament appearances and a good conference. Uh, certainly, I've never been to a game uh, at, at Iowa, but it looks whenever I watch them on TV, they seem to fill it out pretty well in Iowa City. So, And right now, Fran McCaffrey definitely has a better turn on that program, and they're going to be a favorite next year with Luka Garza coming back.
0: So there's a one, this program, Iowa, sticks out specifically to me for one reason. And of all the teams we have, literally anywhere on our top 50 list, Iowa is a woulda, coulda, shoulda been more than any other school. They lost, in order, Ralph Miller, Lute Olson, and George Raveling to Pac-12 schools in back to back to back, like back to back to back hires. All three of those guys led the PAC 12 schools that they went to in, in Arizona, in Oregon state and in USC to the peak of their programs, history, especially Lute Olson and Ralph Miller. Ralph Miller was a a savant an offensive savant. He led those Oregon state teams to the highest scoring teams, in the NCAA, similar with Lute Olson, who went to a final four at Iowa as well. And, uh, you could call, call Iowa's arena uh, Carver Hawkeye Arena, the house that Lute built. Obviously, being Arizona guy, big Lute Olson fan, but it's crazy to see that. And they even had Steve Alford. They lost Steve yeah, Alford I to New Mexico. Yeah, come on. Who then? Who then went to you? Well, Steve Alford's not exactly as good as us. Well, <laughs> Steve Olifort's got kind of like George Raveling in this situation. But if those coaches don't leave, I mean, talk about uh, yeah, like a what it could have, should have of, of what their program really could have been. That's a lot of Hall of Fame, National Coach of the Year guys that left their program kind of at their peak, uh, or before their peak, and then peaked at other programs. So Iowa, more than any other program, was one where you could go, man, they had a laundry list of Hall of Fame coaches here, but right before, they're almost like Xavier in a way. They're like the they're like Xavier from 20 years before Xavier started producing coaches for every every major school. Uh, that that's what stuck out to me about Iowa is, um, is that they had so many coaches that really could have led them to even higher than where they are on this list.
2: Well, shit! Why can't we include this past year as well as it would have could have showed They had argued they had the second <coughs> best player in the country. Yeah, it's sure. Argue number one, and then also the Bohannon injury. So if this season doesn't get cut short, you have Garza, you have a healthy Bohannon. Who knows what I would would have done and how they would have fared? Matt, you got any thoughts on the Hawkeyes?
3: Yeah, um, and also just real quick with the woulda, coulda, shoulda, they've had a couple teams in the last five years that maybe didn't do as well uh, in the tournament as people were thinking, um, like the Peter Jock teams and Jared Utoff. Um, I know a lot of people had them as like, you know, Sweet 16, Elite 8 as a five seed or whatever, and they went down early. Um, but, yeah, when you guys initially sent me the list, I was kind of surprised you had Iowa here, especially over Pitt. Um but then digging in, they have a ton of tournament success in the '80s. Um, I believe they had a final four or no two, three Sweet Sixteens and an Elite Eight in the '80s. Um, you know, and for ten of seven of those ten years, they were in the top ten. Um, so, you know, that's very strong longevity for a program. Um, and I know Taylor just touched on some of the coaches, didn't mention Tom Davis, who was the one that they had all that success with, who was a one-time BC coach, just had to get that in there too. <laughs> I'm
1: glad you brought up Pitt though, because th- that's a perfect comparison. Look, yeah. You know, all the numbers for Pitt in Iowa. They've made the tournament the exact same amount of times. They've made the same... Ballpark amount of Sweet Sixteens and Elite Eights. They've won a similar amount of conference tournaments in Power Five t- tournament mm-hmm. and conferences. But the only difference and the only reason why Iowa is rated where they are right now versus where Pitt was last couple weeks ago is because of the two more Final Fours that Iowa has had. So that 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 pushes you up. Obviously, we value the Final Fours a lot, but those are two very comparable programs when you look at uh, sustained success yeah. in Power Five conferences. No, without, that's, without that's pretty game. fair.
3: Um. Yeah, I would say on that, like, I think Pitt probably had the stronger. Well, all right. Even though I would has made Final Fours, some of those Pitt teams were really, really elite. Oh, no doubt. And, but I will say, Iowa's had, you know, thirty years of putting a team in the tournament almost every year, basically. Which there is some value in that too.
2: Yeah, and I mean, if you ask. More than a casual fan, but not like a, a Rothstein or anything. If you put them in a chair and you say you have three seconds to tell me who's a better program, Iowa or Pitt? We'd both. I think we'd both accept the answers, but I think a lot of people yeah. would say Pitt right off the bat, mm-hmm. and I think they wouldn't
1: hesitate whatsoever. So I like that. I, I'm going to jump in real quick. I like that little wrinkle you just came up with—the Rothstein chair, where you put someone down there in three seconds and say, "Make a decision." Got reaction right off it. If we get if we get pushed or if we get presented on this in the future, i say we resort to that.
2: Yeah. We need to workshop the name for that, though. Okay? Yeah, we
0: don't. I don't like the name. I need an adverb. So to kind of put them where they're at in their ranking as well. There are only five teams in the Big Ten that uh, Iowa does not have a winning record against. Uh, I'm not going to count Maryland in this, considering they've only had nine matchups. But those five teams have yet to appear on our list, so that's kind of a perfect point of where they should be uh, ahead of some of the other uh, Big Ten teams that we've talked about uh, and and considered. But they're behind the five mm-hmm. that you know five that haven't come up yet. So it's almost an ideal ranking, having not even realized that when we were doing the rankings. It's almost ideal where they fit in here.
2: I also want to give a quick shout out to friend of the program, Brendan O'Rourke, and this is how we atone for the Providence slander. You cannot mention Iowa basketball without mentioning their upset or them being on the bad end of an upset uh, against Northwestern state in 2006, little nugget for Matt and Taylor here. When we were growing up, obviously fill out brackets with your friends, Brendan O'Rourke, was the only one that chose this 14 over 3 Northwestern State over Iowa and i believe there was some fadeaway in the corner by some dude with a huge afro and he sunk it and Iowa lost. So that's me atoning for our our discussion about providence but cannot cannot go without mentioning. And then if we talk players for Iowa, Ronnie Lester, best player. I think Luca Garza is now in that list.
0: Right. Yeah, I think you got to put Garza. Garza up there. Yeah. I think that's completely applicable. Although, Ron, yeah, Ronnie Less, yeah, I don't know. But Ronnie it right. was pretty good. But yeah, go ahead.
1: And by the way, with Garza, assuming he's coming back next year, they're a favorite to win the national title in 2021. So I agree. This could, they could skyrocket up this thing. That's very
2: true. I mean, movers and shakers, Iowa is definitely someone to keep an eye on. Uh, and then fan favorite. I like this, actually. Taylor, I think you would mention this, maybe Shark, BJ Armstrong. Current day agent. Obviously, he was on those Chicago Bulls teams as well. BJ Armstrong is a good pick there for Iowa. And another person that you're like, oh, I didn't know he went to this school.
0: Very topical by us as well, considering the last dance came out. So, yeah. I can't believe you forgot Jermaine Wallace's name from Northwestern State, by the way. Yeah, sorry.
3: No, uh, EJ is a great one. And uh I'll give one more, uh Roy Devin Marble from a couple of years ago. Yeah, great
0: That was a concern. I believe yeah. that I, I believe that I was the one that chose the favorite player <laughs> for this school, and that was definitely one that was con- that I considered. Yeah. Actually, there were really kind of a lot. Because if you look at Iowa, you look that none of them peaked really as high as Luca Garza has, or did, or however you want to phrase that. But they had a number of guys who were just right there on the cusp a lot of likable guys that I found yeah, went to Iowa. For sure.
2: I mean, the least likable person on that team, and it's not me saying this because I actually don't mind him. I think he's fun, funny, but Fran McCaffrey. <laughs> like you got, you got all these likable guys on the court oh, and one of the biggest assholes coaching him. But, you know, Devin Marble and also Peter Jock, Matt, two incredible refs yeah. in like five to seven minutes. I
3: How think it's because I was pretty big on those Iowa teams and they might have burned me in a couple <laughs> brackets.
0: <laughs> actually, that's, that's a great point. I feel like Iowa, similar to Iowa State, have burned me in brackets many times before. I don't want to bring up being burned by Iowa state too close yeah, to the shark, it but, <laughs> but it's got to be something about the corn, I guess. Yeah.
2: All right. Uh, let's round it out today. Then at 41, we're getting academic on you. It's you Penn Quakers zero national titles, one final four, 39 conference titles, three elite eights, five sweet sixteens and 24 NCAA tournament appearances and now as I'm looking at this you know I think I didn't take enough time maybe to just take a step back and look at the list holistically but looking at this and prepping I actually had a right mind to put Iowa over you just like change it up on you guys real quick because Iowa has more final fours they're in a tougher conference they have more elite eights more sweet 16s and more tournament berths. So, I mean, we might have just been tired here. I know this is a big one with Taylor for the Plestra. Uh, and obviously, UPenn does bury Iowa here in conference titles. But for me, this, this might have been uh, one where I kind of kind of spanked myself, give myself a little punishment, because I think Iowa might have a, uh, a better resume. Taylor, I'll let you jump in to defend your Quakers. But at the end of the day, you know, we might have leaned towards the academics over the blue-collar guys, and I'm afraid that makes us an elitist program.
0: Well, I would say that Penn, being the twentieth winningest basketball program in the history of college basketball, should put them up there, as well as being a part of the Big Five, as we previously discussed. He's blessed the Palestra, which is seven thousand times more important than Hinkle, as we've previously discussed, and just their success from the early points of college basketball the big thing to me about penn which is why we pushed them over princeton for similar concepts is that penn had a lot of their success in the late 70s their final four was in 1979 so they had a lot of their success during the a like the ucla dynasty years but also a little closer to us now Meaning that, like, their success in the early days of college basketball wasn't just alone, they had a little more modern, if we want to call the late 70s modern, which we don't have to, but it's, it's a little more modern than, say, like Princeton's was. You know, I, I could put a lot about where Princeton was, and the fact that Penn has more conference titles than Princeton is just simply why they are several spots ahead of Princeton. There are a couple there are a couple schools that will be hard to, and Shark brought this up on that episode regarding Princeton is they're going to be a school that you're going to want to kick out of the top 50, but also the same reasons to keep them in now are going to be the same reasons to keep them in tomorrow, five years from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now. However, it's just all about how you value uh, that type of stuff. I am a big numbers guy but I'm a little bit more of the legacy guy as well, simply because college sports are a little more legacy based than professional sports are.
3: Nice. Yeah. um, I kind of felt the same way about Penn, you know, they're sure they've never had the, or they haven't had in recent years, the top 25 teams, but when you're consistently winning the Ivy league every year, um, you know, I do think that, uh, they have such an iconic venue is a plus, you know, especially in this case, but I know that's not a... Or it's up for debate with you guys. But no,
2: no, 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 it's not up for debate because Taylor wouldn't shut the fuck up about the palestra <laughs> when we were deliberating. So
3: it's
0: not that I—it's not that I love the palestra like I've been there before. Or anything like that, it just holds a little bit of a yeah. higher esteem than a lot of other arenas in college basketball, especially Hinkle, because Hinkle didn't have an important game played at it until like <laughs> three years ago.
2: Fictionally, yeah, I though, mean, it had the greatest.
3: <laughs> that's true. No, but I, and, you know, speaking of the Palestra, how they play all or most of the big five games there, I think, I mean, I don't have the exact record, but I just know anecdotally, Penn is always competitive against the other big five teams, you know, even getting out of their Ivy conference. um, They've shown that they could play with some other solid schools too. I think, you know, you have Fran Dunphy, legendary coach, Um, you know, Taylor touched on this too, but they have some, had some great coaches way back in the day too. I didn't know Chuck Daly coached there. Um the Pistons coach, speaking of Jordan Doc. Um Steve Donahue now, right? Yeah, right. That's your yeah. boy. <laughs> I mean, he's he's good
1: for Penn. He's it's a perfect job for him. Um yeah, a, a shitty program. I mean, can I can I <laughs> just putting them where they are right now, gutless. I know I say gutless a lot and I use it in every other context, but putting them this high is Absolutely gutless. What are we doing right here? Putting them there because they played Magic Johnson in the finals like 40 years ago and haven't done anything outside of that. I mean, look at the numbers that, that they have. They automatically qualify out in a conference where like three teams are competitive each year. One of which we already threw in this top 50, and then they 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 don't do anything once they get to the tournament. And we're putting them in there because of their arena. So this is this is my point and the the history and all that. It's like nominating like Pudge Rodriguez on the back end of his career, just giving him an all-star nod because he's Pudge Rodriguez. That's what I feel like we're doing right here. This is the Pudge Rodriguez all-star game pick for the manifesto, and it shouldn't be happening. There's no way Penn or Princeton is a better program than, um, let's say, Texas Tech or Providence or –
2: now, hang on. Hang on. You said last episode just because Providence doesn't have that that, that any conference tournament win. They can't
0: make this list. Little reminder that Penn has 30, 39 more conference titles than uh, than Pro- uh, Providence does.
1: It's like the oldest school in the country. They've, they're playing like, like Ben Franklin went there. He got their
0: last one was two years ago. Was that that long yeah, ago? You're,
1: you're, you're playing, they're playing bums and scrubs like Columbia in the Ivy League. They're not playing anyone. Ben, I bet Ben Franklin's got a few conference, Ivy League titles from when they're playing some Red Coat and Tories back in 1777. Probably got one then.
2: Ben Franklin has is a contributor to one of the greatest wins of all time. That's all we need to know. All right. I am yeah. the self-proclaimed Ben
1: Franklin of the barn burner as well. So. Why? <laughs> because I, the I, I there. Oh, because I came up with the idea for the I spawned an idea that became the barn burner when you think way back when. Uh, we don't have to talk about it. This platform. But All they right. they know they know that. They know so that.
3: Shark, would you have a pen or Saint Joe's above pen to Philly mid-majors?
1: Yes, I would have Saint Joe's above pen.
2: I mean yeah, Are this you, was this was heavily debated and it was it really did come down to era versus I mean it was the same argument actually yeah. we just we're arguing different sides it was era bad and uh history legacy era stadium good
0: well this the argument is this okay and it's going it, to you could apply this across the board we'll have this discussion about teams like UCLA way higher on this list and stuff is history either matters or it doesn't what, what Where do you want to draw the line of when the teams that you like started to be good, or the teams that like?
1: You're talking about a historic program. You're calling them historic. They've never won a title. What have they ever done in their history that was successful? Which is what we're looking at for this program. So you can say that there's nostalgia with it. Oh yeah, Penn. That's a that's a that's a real nice offense they run there. Uh, Oh, that's great fundamentals. But what have they ever done to lead to actual success that we can measure and talk about? Because I'm not seeing it.
0: They have a more recent Final Four than St. Joe's, who you would have put ahead of them.
1: Okay, but St. Joe's has had done more in a better competition and more in the tournament, and the the tournament appearances are close enough for me where I valued St. Joe's more.
0: Than that. I mean, how much better was the A ten for whatever fifty years ago than the Ivy mm-hmm. League was fifty years ago?
1: Well, then it goes to the point of why most of St. Joe's tournaments are uh, success in the tournament is more recent.
0: Well, so, the uh, hell when the hell has
1: Penn made anything?
0: In Penn the, was in the tournament the year before last. Okay, St. Joe's. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it, I mean it, they have more it, tournament, it, they have more recent tournament appearances than St. Joe's
1: does. Well, this is why year. they're
0: here. This is why they're here, though, is because when you get to this part of the list, you could split hairs about like twenty schools. So if you look at things like the history, that they're the twentieth, they're the twenty winningest. 20th winningest team in college basketball yeah. history. And Frank-
1: Franklin picked up most of those wins.
0: <laughs> well, then, well, then I guess someone like James Naismith wasn't that important because he was too long ago for the shark to deem important. So, I mean, uh, at some point, it either matters or it doesn't. You can't just pick and choose when it does matter and when it
1: doesn't. I'm just saying, I would expect if the, this program was so good and so historic, maybe they had some,
0: you know, numbers to back it up. Well, they're not. <laughs> not they're not so good, and they're not. That's why they're at 40, not at like 10. This is the point. The point in the list where you have these type of people or these type of schools. And they're this- they
1: they're on our list. They're they're in the same conversation as Texas Tech, New Mexico State, DePaul. Like, yet, yeah, we're we're calling them like the icon and the pinnacle of college basketball. And why
2: I'm Chicago. okay. I'm right. okay with having them in those conversations. By the way, okay, I'm so fine with that.
0: So name, and this is what this is really. It's going to sound, uh, I guess, like surface level, but. Name those other three schools arenas.
1: Oh, I don't give two shits about their arenas.
0: <laughs> but that's what that is. the WinTrust t- lit- Win
1: hey. Arena DePaul. Hey,
0: okay, nice. There that's just because you so went by, there earlier. May, so the
3: United <laughs> Center? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're, you're, you're putting Penn at, pen at 41 because you can name their arena?
0: Well, like Matt said, that's where they played a lot of the big five matchups and, and still yeah. do. And that's an important uh, sub-segment of college basketball. I'll say, two,
3: I'll say two things for Penn, supporting them. Uh, one, say more. <laughs> I, I can go on. But um, in the 90s, in the Dunphy era, they made the tournament 10 out of 15 years. I mean, I know it's the Ivy League, but that's still impressive as hell. And just to do it over that amount of time, I think, you know, you deserve some credit for that. Um, also, and actually, Shark, this might actually go to your point, 14-time Big Five champion. St. Joe's 20 times. um Most recently won last year, though. I didn't know that. Penn. I
2: think, Matt, to your first point, though, uh, and especially because the Ivy doesn't have a conference tournament, right? It, it's just like, it, it, what is the. I tell like last year. I think they yeah. yeah. just started with yeah. a yeah, so start. 10 out yeah. of 15. 10 out of 15, it just goes to show that they dominated the. Yeah. Like, and I mean, that's like,
3: I mean, that's so many different generations of players, if you will, are you know, four year cycles of players.
1: Whatever. I, I, I like,
2: <laughs> but this, this is a great taste into what we're about to get into next episode, because this is the true nitty gritty. There's a lot of disagreements here. And this is where we spent majority of our time really just hashing it out. So you pen at 41 best player, Ron Hagler and a fan favorite Tony price If we recap, again, at 45, it was St. Joe's, at 44, Western Kentucky, at 43, BYU, 42, Iowa, and at 41, the UPenn Quakers. Uh, Let us take a quick break, get a message from our guy Zach of the Barnburner Podcast Network, and we'll be back to round it out. All right, let's finish this up now uh, with Where Am I? And hugs, I actually have a Where Am I? for you guys. Uh, so, Jake? before
1: you do that, just yeah. coming out of that break while we were on the break there, I went and uh, pulled who founded Penn. It was Ben Franklin. So, can <laughs> I get a little credit for tying that up right there on the fly? <laughs> I mean, that's... Ben Franklin founds the university. You know, how many you know, we did that Franklin? though, didn't we? <laughs> But he no, I mean that's he could have been print, He could he could have done any of those schools. But yeah, <laughs> <Ben Franklin. laughs> no, he <we> couldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you want to know how many he'd be rolling over in his grave right now if he were to find out that his beloved university has only made the NCAA tournament 24 times in its career, one less than New Mexico State.
0: I mean, and come on. New Mexico State was another like Western Kentucky type of consideration yeah. for this list. Now, I will say this of any f- five of our sub segments we're doing this in, this was probably like the most, and I think Matt said this, this is was kind of like the most random of the five you would look at and be like, yeah. really? Why were these five schools in here? But when you look at it and you're like, oh, wow, these schools did have a lot more wins specifically, more than probably, you know any other thing to debate than we would have imagined uh, to, to think that Western Kentucky and Penn are what, 25 spots ahead of Iowa in terms of overall wins. Is that right? Shark, something like that. Cause I was at 40, I think you said it earlier, like 44 yeah. or something like that. Oh, you right. wouldn't, you wouldn't have thought about that when you looked at this list. So I think this five we had here was probably our most quote unquote, random of any five that we'll go through on any episode.
2: And if we're talking, Sorry. Ben, if we're talking Ben Franklin, playing basketball i mean who can who can forget the sixers alternate alternate logo from a couple of years <laughs> ago maybe it's still recent just a terrible logo of ben franklin just running a fast break it looks like <laughs> terrible all
1: right i'm sorry about doing that Let's no. do a
2: What are we apologizing for you want to do a segment we'll do a segment where, <laughs> am
1: I? where am
2: i where am i uh jake voskell you guys remember jake voskell from uconn
1: how could i forget had a hair like a 90s like pump you know, pop, pop punk type band, leader right here, Mark McGrath type here. <laughs> Jake Boswell,
2: big man from Yukon who did win a national title in 99. He's originally from Tulsa uh, and he moved to Texas. So I don't know how the fuck he went to Yukon. Although it is, I mean, stores is essentially farmland too. So maybe there's some similarities. Uh, but you know, that said, he is now the CEO of a company headquartered in Houston called four three energy. Now, this is a market leader in oil brokerage, and they provide client-centered brokerage, ensuring optimal returns are realized on each transaction. I'll tell you what, if you want to get into the oil business, Houston, Texas, not a terrible place to do it. So Jake Boskell, CEO.
0: What is... Terrible. De- terrible. Who, yeah. Who's, who determines that they're a market leader, though? Boskell. Like, am I a market leader in real estate here in Phoenix? Because I'm in the top... 45 percent of agents in town or what
2: it is yeah. all about keywording when you send in an essay you want to make sure you're using every single buzzword Have you ever <laughs> you ever yeah actually you probably have't because you work for yourself but in in corporate America you got to fill out these uh goals and and you got to do like a little self-reflection on recap and when they give you what they want to see from you you got to make sure you get those into your little recap shark knows what I'm talking about
1: not really I'm just awe of taylor on that humble brag about how good of an agent he is out there props to you man where can i uh wh-
0: it literally means it literally means something i mean uh, what is what does that even mean that's what i'm saying is, is what does it even mean what was the next thing you said that client driven that's another great buzzword uh, yeah. right there uh, client folk, yeah client centered like who the fuck else are you gonna be centered on Getting money. Well, that, that's your whole that's your old job
1: can <laughs> I bring it back to Voschel for one second because I'm all over this LinkedIn page, LinkedIn page like a starving man on a Christmas ham right now and what he talks about when he went to Yukon I got a lot of friends got a lot of people that went to Yukon I know Yukon yukon's a friend of mine and when people put Yukon within their activities and societies and what they did while they were there what clubs they're involved in what they like to do voschkal's is simple activities and societies colon, Men's basketball, nineteen ninety nine NCAA champion, Finn. That's how you. That's how you post a LinkedIn educational history right there.
2: Voskel is very short and to the point. After reading what he has on his LinkedIn and also his website, so the man knows how to how to. He's real punchy, real punchy with the words. Uh, so yes, Jake Voskel, now a CEO for an energy company. Uh, let's move on to Hugs now, Shark. Taylor, Matt, do you guys have any, any hugs that you'd like to share?
0: I'm going to give a hug to Georgetown's own Patrick Ewing who reviewed or revealed this week who, that he had his, uh, NCAA tournament and, uh, Olympic gold medals stolen from him, uh, previously, uh, that he hadn't told anybody that before. So I'm going to hug, hug for him. Uh, he was able to get his gold medals replaced by his boy, our boy, uh, phoenix's boy jerry colangelo but uh i don't think he was ever able to recover any kind of uh, national championship ring so a hug for patrick ewing for for that
1: shark you got a hug my hug's danny manning um in the middle of this quarantine right now there's no better feeling than to be told you don't have to work anymore and we're going to pay you an exorbitant amount of money to not work i'm over here grinding my balls off trying to keep the lights on and danny manning's just getting at, getting axed and getting a buyout that'll let him live for years so and wake's probably pretty excited about that too because Forbes is a good coach coming from east tennessee but yeah that's my hug
2: i know wake's excited for because we do have friends there and i think the first text at like 6 or 7 a.m that they sent to their group chat was he's gone <laughs> So yeah, I I mean and I'll give even more credit to Danny Manning because he got that extension after going to a play-in game. I mean that's it. He didn't even win the play-in game, I don't think. He just went there.
0: How about so. Wake having probably the worst introduction video? in today's world of 2020 of any coach in the history Somebody like spiked, spiked
1: the water or something like that.
0: He was just standing in the middle of their practice facility with a mask on. And then like their AD comes on with a mask on and starts shouting out like the compliance committee and the compensation committee and like shit like that. It was, you know, Theater. sometimes, That's- sometimes less is more. Sometimes you just make a statement and, you know, don't force something if it doesn't feel right. <laughs>
2: Matty, you got any hugs before uh, we round it out here? Yeah, I'll uh,
0: I'll give a hug to Isaiah Thomas, who
3: still doesn't know why he didn't make the Dream Team. Um, <laughs> no, I, don't, I mean, I thought that was just one of the best scenes where he's like, I fit yeah. the criteria to be selected, <laughs> but I was not. <laughs> um, but, yeah, maybe you should have shook Michael H- uh, Jordan's hand the previous episode.
2: Yeah, great meme. I appreciate yeah. him for the meme. That
3: show is so memeable. Oh, it's, it's perfect. The it's Jordan perfect. with the glasses, like yes. I don't have a gambling problem. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the security guard, that oh, yeah. completely yeah. Who mimic Jordan? Amazing stuff. Uh, I will end it with my hug for the Pitt basketball coaching staff, along with the football coach Pat doozy and the professional teams in Pittsburgh. Jeff Capel and Lance White, uh, the women's coach, donated a combined 500k to the university's nationally renowned center for vaccine research. Which is working on a vaccine for the coronavirus. So, hug to pit basketball uh, for doing that. They have completely removed themselves from the <laughs> shitty Kevin Stallings era, which was just yeah. miserable, morose, and depressing. So, hug to pit basketball. Uh, and thank you all for listening. We will be back here next time on Theater and College Hoops uh, for what do we got next? Forty through thirty-five, right, boys?
3: That's it. Yeah. yeah. Yes, sir wonderful
2: and thank you matt for joining man always a pleasure appreciate you hopping back on
3: yeah thanks again um oh no, yeah definitely always a pleasure
2: all right we'll see you next time here on theater and college hoops
3: so what
2: you know about sacrifice when the